Welcome in to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. It is the start of Major League Baseball season. It is opening day, opening night for a lot of Dodgers fans out there. And so we are starting the show strong. Uh, Jorge Castillo, who covers the Dodgers for the LA Times, is joining us now. He covers all things Major League Baseball. So, Jorge, great to have you on the program. Uh, And what an exciting time, especially kind of a unique time, right? Because Dodgers... Typically, opening day usually happens during the day. I want to say that this is only, what, the fifth time, right, uh, in, in the last 47 years that the Dodgers have an evening game to start the season, right? Yeah, it's, it's really strange uh, that <laughs> the Dodgers Stadium and we're here at night for a game and it's cold, it's chilly, it was raining earlier. It's all kind of weird. But, yeah, it's baseball season's here and everyone's excited. I'm excited. It's going to be a a great season around a lot of storylines here in Los Angeles and elsewhere. All right, let, let's start with this because you mentioned the stadium. You're there. I can hear the, uh, the, the we're living vicariously through you. We can hear in the background a lot of changes to Dodger Stadium, right? New food, apparently, uh, a new lighting system, um, you know, and, and, and really just trying to enhance the fan experience along with the rule changes, right, Jorge? So with all that combined, how much more fan-friendly do you think this season's going to be for Major League Baseball fans, specifically Dodgers fans, coming out to the stadium? Yeah, I don't know too much about the lights. We'll, we'll see that tonight. I know they're bright. They're brighter, that's, that's for sure. But it, as for the rules, I mean, I think it's going to be great for baseball. I think it's going to be great for fans. I think it's going to be great for everyone involved, players, everyone. I think everyone's going to love these rules that – the pitch clock obviously is the big one. Games will not games. It's, they'll be shorter, but that's not the point. They're going to be quicker. The pace is going to be quicker. Um, the, the cutting out the fat, the 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 boring, the the boring time, the the, the dead time uh, in between pitches and all that. I think it's going to be great. Uh, two and a half hours is like the perfect time for a baseball game, in my opinion. I think we're going to see more of that. Maybe even less. Maybe a little more. But around two and a half hours is going to be the target. It's going to be what we're going to see. I think the the, the shift restriction is going to be great for baseball as well more action more balls in play left-handed hitters now won't be penalized for putting you know a ground ball through the hole back in the day now it's you know the shifts kind of ate those all up and now we're going to see that you know the shift with the shift gone left-handed hitters are going to be able to put the ball in play more ground balls aren't going to be eaten up by the shift you know you see more balls you know those bloopers in shallow right field that used to be caught by a third baseman you know will be base hits now it's more action um, i think it's all going to be great uh, maybe a little some some more stolen bases with uh, the bigger bases and, and all that, but I think that the, the two main ones are definitely the pitch clock and the shift restriction. Have, what what have the players said to you about the rule changes? Are they excited about it? Are they hesitant? Do they want to see how this plays out? Um, you know, has there there been some negative feedback? How do the players feel about the the rule changes? How what have they communicated to you? I think initially everyone's hesitant. I think baseball players are, in general, I think most people are just creatures of habit, right? The idea of, like, changing something um, is kind of weird for them, and, you know, they, they don't like that. They don't like change. But I think within the first couple of weeks of spring training, everyone was seen to be on board. It's like, all right, this works. You get used to it. There might be a violation or two, but, hey, this will be fine. It's still baseball. Nothing's changed. Now, I, what I'm looking forward to seeing and I think a lot of people have talked about this, is, all right, what happens in October? What happens down the stretch in a pennant race, you know, when a game matters? And does it feel sped up? Or will we all be so used to it that it won't matter? 
um, you know, that we won't sense like a difference. But it, that's what I'm more interested in, um, in seeing. I think with it by, you know, the end of April, I think everyone's going to be used to it. I think fans are going to love it. I think it's going to be something that's going to be like, why didn't we do this earlier type of thing. I think it's going to be great for baseball. Jorge Castillo joining us now, covers the Dodgers, all things Major League Baseball uh, for the L.A. Times. All right, let's start, let's start small, which is tonight, right? Uh, first career opening day uh, for Urias, uh, going up against Zach Gallen. Um, Dodgers are favored here. If you do choose to play them to win, they're minus 178. Um, the over-under is, is seven runs, so a pretty hefty number there. Your thoughts on and, and by the way, this is uh, this is uh, Julio's first career opening day start, so I'm sure there's there's some nerves there. How do you see this game playing out? Because because just I, I'm I'm really big on the Diamondbacks this season. I think the Diamondbacks are going to surprise some folks. I'm not saying that they're going to win the division, but I think they're going to be more competitive than they were last year. But just out of curiosity, uh, how do you see how do you see opening night working out for the Dodgers? Um, I think um, it's one thing that's going to be a factor tonight is it, it's cold. Um, I'm interested to see how that um, plays into this. Um, it's pretty cold out here. Um, you know, Julio looked good in spring. Julio Diaz looked good in spring. He looked good at the WBC, except for like two bad innings in his first start and his second start. Um, in each start, he had like a bad inning. So I'm interested to see if he can avoid the bad inning. If he can, then he should be able to throw five, six solid innings for the Dodgers. He's done that pretty much all the time over the last two years. And I'm with you on the Diamondbacks. I really like the Diamondbacks. Zach Gallon's mm-hmm. really good. Merrill Kelly's really good. They just signed. They just uh, signed Cor- uh, Corbin Carroll for you know a long-term deal. Christian Walker's a, uh, he he's a bopper. Um, this, this team is going to surprise people, I think, this year. But tonight, I just tonight's tough. I think it's going to be a close game. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's below that seven number. Uh, it's cold out here. <laughs> These guys, you know, it's harder to hit when it's cold. So uh, so I I probably pound that under. <laughs> You know, and, and another thing is Zach Gallen. Uh, I'm I'm really I'm big on him. I I think that he will be one of the names that we'll be hearing out there in re, in regard to potentially winning the side this season. So I've got some hefty expectations for him. But he did not look good in spring. And but as we know, a lot of these guys they use spring training to you know enhance their repertoire and in and you know to try a lot of things out. Could that been a have been why he did not have a stellar spring, possibly? So I do believe the Dodgers are going to win. Minus 178 is a lot to lay, in my opinion. But nonetheless, if you want to take them on the run line, uh, I'm with you as well. If you're telling me the weather conditions are cold, first game out of the box, uh, I like the under here as well. Big, big, and by the way, uh, Diamondbacks, over, over, under in regard to win total, 76 and a half. As we know, they won 74 last year. Year. And again, I, they, this, this, this team is, is uberly improved. So I like the over of 76 and a half. Um, we hear, we could hear all the festivities behind you. Um, yeah, uh, let's look, let's, no, no, it's not your foot. It's great. Listen, we're like, we're there with you. We're there with you, Jorge. Um, uh, let's look big picture here. Um, the Dodgers to win the world series plus eight fifty to win the national league plus four twenty five uh, to win the NL West minus one ten. They're favored to win the NL West. How do you see this this season panning out? Because you've got the Padres, who uh, who I think are and now for them to win uh, the National League West plus one twenty. One one could one could argue and debate that the Padres have a better team and a better roster right now than the Dodgers, but the Dodgers are still favored to win this division. What say you? 
I think the Dodgers are going to win the division by a hair. I think it's going to be like a game or two. That's my prediction. Um, it doesn't mean they're necessarily the better team for the postseason, but I think for the regular season, they have better depth. Their bullpen's better. They have guys in the minors that are waiting their turn who are going to come up here uh, to the major league level and, and make an impact, whereas the Padres don't really have that. The Padres, if there's an injury, um, you, you have to wonder how you know who, who will come in and step in, whether it's their rotation or in the lineup. They don't have guys in the upper minors because they've traded a lot of them to get the Juan Sotos of the world, you know? So um, I think the Dodgers, for a 162, they're, they're better built for it. Now, October's a different thing. We saw it last year um, when the Padres beat the Dodgers. The Padres have better top-end talent. Um, you know, and they just added Xander Bogarts. Uh, this offseason, another top-tier guy. They're going to have Fernando Tatis Jr. this year if he stays healthy and comes back from suspension. They have better top-tier talent, but I think depth-wise, for 162 for the marathon, I think the Dodgers are, are better equipped. Uh, slightly now, man. It's a game or two. I mean, it's, it's, to me that they're they're just about even. But uh, I think the Dodgers are still a very good team. They got Mookie Betts, they got Freddie Freeman, they got Will Smith, they got Max Muncy, they got Julio Diaz playing Kershaw. They got guys, and that bullpen is, you know, they're, they're, the bullpen doesn't have the names, but this bullpen will be one of the best bullpens in baseball um, as it is usually every year. The over under win total for the Dodgers is ninety five and a half. As we know, they won one hundred and eleven last year, fifty seven and twenty four at home. Would you take the over? Um, I have them at 95 wins. I guess that means I'm the under. <laughs> I buy a hair. Um, so you're, yeah, so you're I, kind of, so you should, you should, you should be an odds maker. Um, yeah. So <laughs> there's, I just think, think about it this way. 16 fewer games. That's a lot of games. You know, they're going to win 16 fewer games. I, I, I think that's a big drop off and it's still probably good enough. For, you know, should be, it could be good enough for them to win the division. You know, it's it's interesting. There's there's a lot of uh, you know fan graphs and uh, a, a lot of uh, those procrast. What's pro- I can't even. I'm, I'm I'm trying to find the word right now. Like you know, those who have the crystal ball. Uh, many are expecting them to uh, either just win about 87, 87 to ninety games. Some have them at a hundred. It's really a wide spectrum. Uh, so there's a lot of people out there who just don't know what to expect with this roster because you know both Turners are gone, Anderson's gone, Bellinger's gone, Price is gone, uh, Kimball is gone. There's so many new faces here that I just I, I don't think a lot of people know can can put their finger on what they realistically can expect from this Dodgers team this season. Yeah, I think the key for them um, it's health. If, uh, you know, Julio Rios can stay healthy, if Clayton Kershaw can stay healthy, and if this, for the four main guys in their lineup, it's Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Will Smith, Max Muncy, if they can stay healthy and perform at a, their sort of projected level, what we expect from them, I mean, this offense is still going to be one of, the, one of the best in baseball. It's not going to be as good as last year. When you lose a guy like Trey Turner, it's just not going to be as good, uh, most likely, right? But they have a guy named Miguel Vargas, who's a rookie. He's going to start at second base for them. He can hit. He can't field that much, but he can hit. So uh, offensively, they, uh, offensively for me, they're going to be good. If those four guys can produce, it's all it's just all about health. Um, and you know the Padres are great. I mean the Padres on paper, they're I mean they have like the top five hitters are like all stars. So like they got you Darvish, they got Blake Snell. It's going to be a wild wire to wire race. Um, at least that's what I expect, and I think that's what most people expect. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a great division because, again, you and I are both liking the Diamondbacks. Not that they're going to win the division, but I do believe they win more than 76 and a half games. Uh, Jorge, thank you so much again for spending some time with us this evening. Really do appreciate it. I know what a big day this is for you. Uh, So enjoy opening night, my friend. 
Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You got it. Jorge Castillo, uh, starting the show off strong, talking all things Dodgers on opening night here. Of course, he covers the Dodgers for the L.A. Times. So uh, he said it's, it's, it's pretty nippy out there. So he likes the under of seven runs. Uh, no, I'm not thrilled with what I saw from Zach Gallen during spring training. Don't know if he could just turn that switch on tonight. Maybe he can. I don't know. I like him long-term this season, but I do believe the Dodgers win tonight. But uh, I, I, I just don't have a lot of conviction here. Um, you know, if, if you're rolling, if you're a high roller and you're okay laying the 178 to win 100, by all means do it. I do believe the Dodgers win. I would play them on the money line, uh, not the run line, just FYI. Bigger picture here, um, You know, Jorge feels that these two teams are going to be neck and neck. They're going to be battling it out to see who wins the National League West. Again, the Dodgers are favored right now at minus 110. The Padres, second favorite at plus plus 120. Uh, Maybe you feel like the Padres are going to come out swinging strong. Uh, Maybe they do uh, lead the division. Maybe you can get better odds on the Dodgers winning the division maybe a month from now or two months from now. Possibly, I think that could be a scenario in regard to how it plays out. Over under 95 and a half wins, Jorge feels that he's got them right around 95. So uh, maybe play the under there. I think it's unrealistic because, again, all the new faces, the talent that they lost, not that um, they're not going to be competitive, but I just, uh, uh, you know, 100 games, let alone 111 I think that's that's a little unrealistic. So I would play the under. I'm, I'm with Jorge. I would play the under there as well. So again, just getting you ready for tonight's action. Uh, the Dodgers going up against the Diamondbacks. Anita Marks with you. You're listening to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. We've got a great show lined up for you. We'll hear from Buster Olney. Uh, we'll take a preview with Buster in regard to big picture, what he's expecting this season in Major League Baseball. We'll get you ready for the Final Four on Saturday night. Two fantastic games. Seth Greenberg, we'll hear from him. Fat Jack as well. We'll talk some NFL. What's going on with uh, the Baltimore Ravens and uh, Lamar Jackson? Boy, talk about drama. Also, the NFL draft will be here before we know it. Who are the Carolina Panthers going to take with the number one overall pick? We'll hear from David Newton, who covers the Panthers. And, of course, as always, getting you ready for some XFL action. We went 4-0 and in Week 6 in the XFL. Can we do it again in Week 7? I certainly hope so. Tom Luganbill and Stormy Bonantani, uh, both part of our ESPN broadcast team, will stop on by with some picks and plays talking XFL. So jam-packed show for you, with you for the next two hours right here on 710 ESPN LA. That's right, it's Bella. <laughs> Get it out, Anita. It is Bella here on 710 ESPN LA, and it's, uh, it's opening day. I don't know about you. We've got uh, Tyler and Brian who are producing the show. Baseball is their wheelhouse. All right, it's their favorite sport. So uh, I, I spent the day, I was inside today. It was actually quite chilly here in New York today. It, was, it, it dipped into the 30s. We, we, we haven't had, there, there has not been a winter here in New York, and not that I would classify the 30s as winter, but nonetheless. Um, I stayed in today, worked from home, did some things, and just had all the games, all the things. I had all the games on in the background. Let's bring you up to speed. The White Sox took care of the Astros. How about that? Three to two. 
the Blue Jays over the Cardinals 10 to 9, 19 games. 19 runs in that game. I love the Blue Jays this season. Really interesting. Are you guys aware of this? Uh, what the Blue Jays have done? They shortened their outfield across the board. Like they brought in like I want to say like right center, right right center, like 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 all aspects. They so they shortened their outfield and they signed two solid lefties. Like watch out for the Blue I think the Blue Jays win that American uh, AL East division. And I think they make a run for it this season if they could stay healthy. Agree or disagree? What I'm going to say is, so what you're saying is now at Rogers Center, you can hit what normally would have been a double, and it will now be a ground rule double since everything bounces off the turf like it's a trampoline? <laughs> um, all I'm saying is I think we're going to see a lot more home runs hit in Canada. I think that's the motivation of all of Major League Baseball right now is just to increase the amount of action and mm-hmm. decrease the amount of time between the action. So it doesn't really surprise me that teams are making changes like this to their to their stadiums. I think the, but didn't Pirates, Baltimore move their left field in as well? Pretty sure that was last season, I believe. Yeah. I think they did that last season. Uh, Pirates beat the Reds 5-4. to four. The Mets took care of the Marlins 5-3. to three. And oh, by the way, Verlander goes on the IL. Did you read that? Did read that, yeah. He's got people. A people have been asking me. Yep, people have been asking me. What do you think about the Mets? What do you think about the Yankees? I'm like, well, the Mets have like, really, their season. Really, it is contingent on if Verlander and Mac and uh, Max can stay healthy. Max Scherzer can stay healthy. Mets, and now day day one, and Verlander's already on the IL. Are you kidding me? I mean, Mets are going to Met. They do it. They do this every season. The they Mets give, are going to Met. They give their fans hope, and mm-hmm. then they strip mm-hmm. them of the hope, real quick. Right. Yeah. St- tell Steve Cohen that. He won't. He won't believe me. He only listens to him. So, so true story. So, do you watch um, Billions? No. You've never seen Billions. I've never seen Billions. Never seen it. Brian, nope. what's Billions about? Never seen it. Do you guys watch? Do you guys watch shows? Do you watch TV? I'm all caught up on Ted Lasso. Oh, how great is Ted Lasso? Um, T- tell me about Billions. So Billions is a true story about a hedge fund firm here in New York that did some shady stuff. I'd use another word. It's a family show, and was shut down. And they wrote a book about it. And so Billions was the show. It's a true story. And Steve Cohen was a part of that hedge fund. Um, so a few of these guys approached me a few years ago to manage. So they, so they, play, fan, they play fantasy. They play in this fantasy football league. It's a $50,000 buy-in per team. 12 teams. Winner take all. Loser has to treat everybody and a plus one to a night out in the city, which at the end of the night typically totals over a hundred thousand dollars. Must be nice. That's how that's how these dudes roll. So a few years ago they approached me and they said, Hey Anita, will you manage our fantasy team? And whatever we win, if we win, you get ten percent. I said, sure, why not? So I know, so I know all those dudes, like the real dudes from Billions. 
Uh, you should watch it. It's it's an interesting show. But anyway, that's where Steve Cohen comes from. Is that's that billions? Cool. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And he's got billions. Trust me. Um, so the Mets, <laughs> even though Verlander goes on the IR, Scherzer did pitch today. Um, and so uh, the Mets do win. Twins took care of the Royals. Rangers over the Phillies. The Rays took care of the Tigers. Cubs over Brewers. Orioles over Red Sox. Hey now, Brian. Brian. Oh, that's Tyler. Oh, I'm sorry, Tyler. <laughs> that's your team? The Red Why Sox Red Sox? Team. Why? Okay, I grew up with a Red fam- Sox and Seattle up, Seahawks? Why? Family that, what? Okay, hey. Que pasa? Take a seat. I'll tell you. It's story time. Mm-hmm. I grew up with a family... <laughs> That moved here from Boston. And so Boston. things were going on with the family on my end, and mom needed you know, help taking Tyler to and from baseball practice and picking him up from school. Spent a lot of time with this family that moved here from Boston. They always had the New England Sports Network on, so I was just constantly being slammed in the face like a really proud parent of their kids with photos with the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. And then for mm-hmm. Seattle, I followed uh, Pete Carroll from USC to Seattle. Got it. Okay, I'm connecting the dots. I understand now. Uh, watch out for this Orioles team. That's another. It's another team that I like the over in win total for them, and I want to say it's somewhere around seventy-eight and a half, something like that, or seventy-eight or eighty-two and a half. It's very low. Obviously, it's the Orioles. I think they're going to surprise some folks. Not that they're going to win the American League East. That's not what I'm saying. But I do like the over in their win total. They've got a lot of really young, exciting talent that I think is going to play well this season. The Yankees took care of the Giants 5-0 shutout from Garrett Cole, who I like to potentially win the American League Cy Young this season. Braves over the Nationals, no surprise there. I do have the Braves winning the National League East. Um, Right now, into the first, the uh, Cleveland Guardians and the Seattle Mariners, uh, no score. Diamondbacks up on the Dodgers right now, 1-0. Uh, no score in the Angels Athletics game, and the Padres and the Rockies are all tied up at one, bottom of the second. So some uh, Major League Baseball scores for you. I love opening day, right? It's the best. Like, what day did of you? The year. What did you guys? What did you guys do today? Did you like just sit at home and like watch all the games? I only had time to really watch the Sox game. I got home right around when the game started, and then by the time the game was over, it was time to start getting back to work. Yeah, I was so. watching a little MLB Network today. You know, they right? jump around game to game. The MLB live. Red Zone, you mean? Oh, okay. MLB Red Zone, yeah. Yeah, there we go. But, uh, <laughs> caught the end of that Cardinals-Blue Jays game. Great game. Right. It's just nice to have meaningful baseball back. I know. It's great. I know. I and I'm, I, listen, I, you know, I, I know we, we talked to Jorge about the rule changes. I'm really intrigued. Did you feel? Did you feel that games moved faster today? I was again. I was. I was working, and and I was like, I was. I was watching a, a number of games, so I really wasn't paying attention in regard to the length of the games. I, I know. I know there were a few pitchers and a few batters who got called with that that clock. Right. Right. Um. Right. And, yeah. So games and definitely other- moved faster for sure. Like no game is exceeding three hours. And take the Red Sox Orioles game for example. We had nineteen runs. I think there were a total of six or seven walks in the game. That game would typically take around four hours to play. I think they were done around three hours, maybe if maybe a few minutes after that, but very, very quick. Yeah, I want to say last season the average length of a game was three hours and like twelve or eleven or twelve minutes. They're anticipating this season two hours and like fifty-two minutes 
or something like that. So it's going to be interesting. I'm really intrigued. The bases, how many stolen bases will there be? Will, will we see somebody steal 70, 75 stolen bases this season? I know we haven't seen that since uh, mid to early 90s. Um, I'm so intrigued with so many things this season. When we get back, Buster Olney was kind enough to join me on our Bet Digital show. So I'm going to play that that conversation with you. Buster, one of the best in the business here at ESPN, covering all things Major League Baseball. We'll dive into that next right here on 710 ESPN LA. It's game time. That's right. Dodgers in action. Unfortunately, down 1-0 to the Diamondbacks as we speak. Uh, Anita Marks with you. It is Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA each and every week. Um, I host a digital bet show on ESPN Plus, all our digital platforms, and we have a variety of really phenomenal guests who join us each and every week, typically on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday is when I host. So uh, on Wednesday, we had Buster Olney who joined us. He does a phenomenal job covering all things Major League Baseball for ESPN. Sat down and I had a conversation with him, big picture, in regard to some of the futures bets. What can we realistically expect? Will there be a guy out there with all the changes, the bases being the size of pizza boxes, and you know, starting pitchers, uh, not, not really having the opportunity to really, uh, you know, try to get them out the, the stealing, um, the ability to steal a base now favors the runner more than ever before. So will we see somebody steal 70, 75 bases this season? Just one of the very uh, many questions I posed for Buster only earlier this week. Let's listen in. It is opening day tomorrow, one of my favorite days of the year. Buster Olney joins us here. How fortunate are we to get, we get Buster on bet. And Buster, you're coming to us live from Houston. You're going to be at the Houston Astros game tomorrow. Uh, by the way, my pick, I know I'm not going out on a limb here. I'm pretty much going chalk, but I think Houston could run it back. I think they could win the World Series again. I know they lost Verlander, but I think it's next man up with Valdez and in that pitching rotation. Are you feeling this Astros team? How confident are you that they could run it back? Anita, I would agree with you, and I am picking the Astros to get back to the World Series. By the way, they would become the first team to win a World Series and get back to the World Series the next year since the 2001 Yankees. They, If they win the World Series this year, they'd be the first team since the 98 to 2000 Yankees to go back to back. I don't think they're going back to back. I got the Padres beating them in the World Series. But I agree with you, this is an organization with a ton of depth, and yes, they lose Justin Verlander, but it's a team that I think is going to go very far this year. Yeah, they just, they check all the boxes. All right, let's dive into it, Buster. Eight former Cy Young winners will be starting opening day pitchers tomorrow. But let's talk about the Mets and the Marlins. Why? Because they're the only matchup where you've got two Cy Young winners facing each other, of course, in Max and Sandy. So uh, the Mets are the road favorite there. So uh, should I jump on the Marlins as a home dog? How would you play this? Absolutely I would because Sandy is so good pitching at home. If you look at his home road splits last year in Miami's home ballpark, 8-1 with a 1.64 ERA. And let's face it, right now, Akintara is kind of a one-of-a-kind in baseball. He's a throwback to what aces used to be, throwing 230, 240, 250 innings. You know what Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander were earlier in their careers. He wants to be a guy with the baseball in the eighth and ninth inning. I'm sure on opening day he's going to be juiced up. The Marlins did improve their offense during the course of the offseason. Defense might be an issue. 
But I think on opening day, I agree with you, that's a good bet. Let's continue to, to talk starting pitching because there is a Major League Baseball special wager that you can take that there will be a 20-game winner this season. Okay, it's juiced at minus 115 each way. Number one, do you think that we'll have a 20-game winner this season? And if so, who, Buster? No, I don't think there's going to be. I think that Kyle Wright, who, of course, did that last year, that was an outlier with incredibly good fortune. I mean, he only threw 180 innings, and there were so many games the Braves were playing where they would come back in his last inning of work or maybe take the lead after he was removed from a game. And it was a remarkable season, but I think he would be the first to admit he got a little lucky getting that many wins. And look, as we talked about with Alcantara, the starting pitchers just simply are not used in the way that they were in the past. They don't have as many opportunities for wins. Anita, think about this number. Last year, a total of eight pitchers threw 200 or more innings. In 2010, that number was 45. So I just don't think starting pitchers are in the game long enough to get wins. Kyle Wright, I think, uh, in 2022, we should look at is being in a situation that's not going to be repeated. Okay. Um, now let's uh, let's talk about rotations here. Let's talk about some of the, the hits leaders, right? And let's here are the top six in odds this season. More righties, actually, Buster, than I thought there would be. But with the shift being, um, you know, of course, eliminated this season in Major League Baseball, just out of curiosity, how do you think that would affect this list? And, and who would you play here in regard to the hits leader? Okay, I'm shocked that Rafael Devers is not right at the top of that list because a lot of projection systems uh, will tell you that they, there's a belief that with uh, the regulations against defensive shifts that Devers as a left-handed hitter is going to take advantage of that, but he would not be the guy that I would bet on. I think the guy to watch this year to lead the Major League in hits is Bo Bichette of the Toronto Blue Jays because he seemed to turn a corner at the end of last year. He went crazy down the stretch. Last 37 games, he batted 387 uh, with 58 hits. And you could see that still playing out this spring, his aggressiveness at the plate. As you know, for this particular statistic, you don't want to pick a guy who's too patient to plate. And Bo Bichette is someone who attacks the baseball. I think he's going to have a great year, maybe be the one guy who you know could throw out 225, 230 hits. Obichet, eight to one, by the way, if you missed that on the graphic. All right, finally, let's talk about stealing bases, right? I saw the new uh, bases, you know, the the, extent, the 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 bigger base. They look like a, a pizza box, Buster. I, I'm sure you've seen them as well. So with the expanded bases and, of course, the, the limiting the throws to first, do you think that we'll get a 75 stolen base, um, you know, player this season? Um, you know, we, as we know, it's only happened once in 1996. Does it happen this season? No, I don't think it does. And look, there's an expectation in Major League Baseball that you're going to see like a 30% increase in stolen base attempts. I think uh, on opening day, we're going to get the first feel for how teams are going to take advantage of these new rules for pitchers, how many pickoffs, the step-offs that they will wind up taking. But here's the thing. As we see in the NBA with load management, what you hear a lot among major league players is they want to save the wear and tear on their body from the stolen bases, sliding in head first. I think the best person in baseball in terms of stealing bases is Trey Turner. He would have more than have to more than double his total from 2022 to get there. And I just don't think there's a mindset now among players 
to an attempt 75, 80, 100 steals. That's just not the way baseball is played now in 2023 when players are concerned about saving their bodies to make sure they can be on the field the next day. Just wonder if there'll be a player or two, maybe three out there that are going to try to achieve that this season. It will be fun to watch. Buster, thank you so much. You're one of the most wanted men on all our platforms, and so we're uh, we're thrilled to have you here on Bet this afternoon. Thank you. Enjoy opening day. Thanks, Nita. That is uh, Buster Olney uh, joining me on our Bet Digital show. Love Buster. Does a phenomenal job. Buster and I both go back. I spent four. You guys might not be. You know, I lived in Baltimore for four years. I covered the Baltimore Orioles for four years. Were you aware of that? No, but that's rad. Uh, I don't know if you were. I love. Listen, oh, it is. It's unbelievable. You know, Baltimore is a very provincial town, right? Like they've got a chip on their shoulder, and, and for good reason. Like a lot of people say, "Oh, yeah, I was in Philadelphia, and I was on my way to Washington, and I stopped off in Baltimore to use the bathroom." Like you know, unfortunately, like nobody like vac- Like when was the last time you're like, "Hey, I'm going on vacation. Where are you going?" Baltimore. People, somebody would say, why are you using family? What, like, why are you like, <laughs> so there's a, um, there's, there's a chip on, on that shoulder of those who were born and raised in Baltimore. Um, it was, it was not the easiest town, uh, to try to get people to like me, especially, you know, here's this, uh, you know, chick from Miami, Florida coming in and, uh, hosting sports talk radio in Baltimore uh, never met Johnny Unitas, never been to Memorial Stadium, and uh, and certainly uh, never went to a game uh, where, um, you know, uh, somebody was trying to uh, play as many games as possible. So anyway, my whole point is uh, Camden Yards is, and I haven't been to a, a time, I've been to like, I've probably been to 12 baseball stadiums, right? And I've been to some good ones, San Francisco, San Diego, Never been to Dodger Stadium. I actually, I may have been to Dodger Stadium. You've never been Can't to recall. Chavez Ravine? I, I think I have. I think I have. Uh, maybe, like, I don't know. Okay, so you've been to 12 parks. Did you go to the old Cubs, Yankee Stadium before 2009? Of course, yes. Old old Yankee Stadium, new Yankee Stadium, old City Field, new City Field. Nice. But I'm counting those as one. Nah. Yeah. No, because you, I am. you're... It's like a, it's almost, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's almost like a feat of strength. You, you have visited more stadiums than anybody else can visit now. You should wear hmm. it like a chip on your shoulder. I, I never thought of it that way. You can only visit, what is it, 32 teams? How many teams are in baseball? 32? 30? It's, okay, let's just go with 32. You can only visit 32 <laughs> stadiums, little 12-year-old girl. I have been to 34 Right. See what I'm saying? So there's that. Um, I've been to Detroit. Anyway, uh, my point being is I haven't been to all, but I will tell you that de- I think you definitely could put Camden Yards in the top three. Here's here's a interesting, here's a little known fact that you probably don't know. So are you guys, again, since baseball is your wheelhouse, it's your favorite sport, you know that there's... Um, you know, Camden Yards, they hit, hit. you know, uh, you look out over right field and there's the warehouse. Yes. Which, by the way, used to be, you guys play Monopoly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That used to be B&O Railroad Station. No way. 
Mm-hmm. That's so cool. This is like a little history lesson with Anita Marks. Oh, wait, it gets better. So uh, do you know that only one time in the history has a home run been hit off that wall out there behind right field at Camden Yards? Was it Barry Bonds? No, it was not. I'm thinking lefties who would just crank one that direction. Mm-hmm. Because this is what's this is what's really cool. Whenever there's a home run that is hit over uh, the bleachers, it typically lands on the cobblestone. Right. And what they and what they do is they take a plaque, and they it's a little round plaque the size of a, of a, a baseball, and they put it on the cobblestone with the name of the player and the year that he hit the home run out of the ballpark. But That's only cool. once has a home run hit the side wall of Camden Yards in the warehouse. Who was it? And that was Griffey Griffey Jr. Griffey Jr. With, the, uh, with the home run derby. That man that's it the was, most gorgeous swing in baseball. It wasn't even it wasn't even it wasn't even like um a game not a game, not a game, not practice. It was the home run derby when uh, Camden Yards and uh, in Baltimore hosted the All Star game. So anyway, there's that. Um when we get back, let's switch gears. We've got March Madness still in full effect. We've got the final four. It's coming your way on Saturday. Four teams remaining. Many none expected to be there. Uh, maybe. Well, actually, I, I did. I have, I have UConn coming out of that region of death. Uh, but very few have any of these four teams winning the whole damn thing. Seth Greenberg. We'll hear from him as well as Fat Jack, Fat Jack, professional handicapper. So uh, we're going to switch gears, getting you ready for March Madness when we get back here on 710 ESPN LA. Anita Marks with you. It is Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. Let's talk some March Madness, and it has been maddening. That is for sure. San Diego State coming out of the South. FAU, those owls who reside in the mouth of the rat down there in Boca Raton, Florida, coming out of the east. Miami upsetting um, a number of teams. Indiana, how about that? Um, Houston, Texas, hey now, uh, advancing. And, uh, of course, UConn. I actually I anticipated UConn coming out of the west. Uh, but I did not anticipate um, one of these four winning this whole damn thing. Uh, Seth Greenberg, who does a phenomenal job, uh, former coach, uh, phenomenal college basketball analyst on ESPN, was kind enough to join me on my bet program to do a deep dive into all four teams. Let's listen in. Seth Greenberg joining us now. Seth, so great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us here on Bet. We've got to kick off with those owls, right? Unbelievable. Prior to the tournament starting, you could wager that they were going to win the NCAA tournament at 301. What does that mean? You're laying a dollar to win $300. Unbelievable. So now this ninth seed has made it to the final four. A lot of people are cheering for them to win the national championship. Based on what you've seen, what do they do so well that has allowed them to have so much success to finally get to this final four, Seth? Yeah, well, offensively, they play four guards, basically four, what I call four gamers and shot makers. So they're really hard to match up with. Like, let's take the Tennessee game, for example. Tennessee played the two bigs. Those four guards in defensive transition, because when they get a stop and they're a very good defensive team, they're running it right at you. Whoever gets that rebound is pushing it, and they get filling lane. Well, you know what? If you play two bigs, you're going to have a hard time getting matched up with it. And now when you get a hard time getting matched up with it, it's an advanced pass, 
a drive, a kick, one more, and they're knocking down an open three or get to the basket, get to the free throw line. So first, in transition, because they are a good defensive team, they put a lot of pressure on the defense because of the number of guys that can make a play and make a shot. That's really, really important. Uh, the second thing they do is to get extra possessions. They're a relentless offensive rebounding team. You say, wait a second. Vladislav Golden, seven feet, is a bunch of 6'4 dudes. They rebound out of quickness. They pursue missed shots. They shoot a ton of threes, long rebounds, their quickness. They beat people to the basketball. So they get extra possessions that way. And then defensively, they push you out a step. They really do a good job of pressuring the basketball, taking you out of what you want to do, push you out a step, make you uncomfortable, get you out of rhythm. Uh, did a great job. Kansas State absolutely kind of, if you can call 30 and I think 12, a good job. But they took everyone else away in that game when they played K-State. So those are the things that they do really well. They're hard to game for. They're hard to match up with. And then finally, John L. Davis is a, just a brutal, brutal matchup on the perimeter as a go-to scorer. And Vladislav Golden is a big that when they play high-low basketball, they play at a penetration or he ducks in or he's a long roller and short roller. He's shown the ability to score. So uh, I've been really, really impressed with him. And, and they're resilient. And either they're really resilient. Think about it. They're going to get their run. And they really believe they might be struggling. They might hit a wall. They might get stuck. But eventually they'll get that run. And when they get that run, they, they make that one big momentum three that just, boom, flips the game. Yeah, and of course, now they're going to be in San Diego State, right? The first Mountain West team to make it this far. They're a small favorite. They're favored by two. We just heard all the reasons why you like FAU. If you're someone who believes defense wins championships, maybe you're leaning towards the Aztecs. With that being said, um, who do you have winning this game? You know what? Right now, I have FAU in the game. The more I dig deep into it, and it's, it's real simple identity. Now, people say you can't. You know, San Diego State's going to slow you down. You can't run them, and they're going to just basically dictate the tempo. Kind of like when people talk about Virginia. Well, Virginia, you know, you play against Virginia, they're going to impose their identity on the game. I'm watching this FAU team. They play fast, they play slow. But what they do is they still make you match up. So one of those front court guys on San Diego State's going to have to defend a guard on the perimeter. Now, defensive rebounding will be important because San Diego State dominates you on the glass. Hard to go against San Diego State because of the physicality, their toughness, and 100% they buy into their identity, impose their identity. But I, this FAU team, the more I watch them, they have a physicality. It's an athletic physicality. It's a physicality built on quickness, confidence, and shot making. Uh, for me, I'm someone who believes defense wins championships, not just in the NFL, but in, in, in basketball as well. I'm leaning. I like San Diego State. I'm going to lay, lay the points. I also like the under here, Seth. It might be my favorite play. They've won 14 of their last 15 games. Top five defense. They're holding opponents to 65 points or less. They held. Here, here's the biggest stat that really blew me away. They held combined Alabama and Creighton to three three-pointers. That's it. Three three-pointers. Uh, Creighton, 11% from behind the arc, 2 of 17. And offensively, Tramel, you know, they can score. So FAU, Man's their defense went 20 Trammell's in college basketball. Score. Yeah, no, no, so, look, I know. So I'm leaning towards I'll give, I'll give you your best argument. You know, they, beat, they beat San Diego State. Uh, they beat Utah State three times. 
Utah State plays a lot like FAU. They live and die with the three-point line. They play with good flow. They have floor, floor gamers and shot makers, maybe not as good defensively. So, it's look, it's, e- it's easy to make an argument either way uh, because of the history of San Diego State playing against a team like Utah State and then the league where there's a lot of scoring teams like New Mexico State. New Mexico, I should say. Uh, let's talk about the team that I think is going to win this whole damn thing, and that's UConn. Uh, they've just been bulldozing through people. <clears throat> I, I really thought that that game against Gonzaga was going to be one of the best games uh, competitively that we have that we will have watched uh, through March Madness. Full disclosure, Seth, I fell asleep. I woke up around one o'clock in the morning. Uh, but with that being said, do you feel that UConn was not seated properly? Do you feel that they were better than a fourth seed coming in? And, and are they just peaking at the right time? How do you assess this? Anita, you know this stuff better than I do, but I'm, I'm no rocket scientist. But they haven't lost to a team outside the Big East. Now think about that. They have not lost to a team outside the Big East. When you play in league play, there's a familiarity and what you're going to give and what you're going to take away. You play those dudes for the first time, you know, it's Sonoma in the paint. It's Hawkins coming off, flying off screens. But it's Andre Jackson that really is the toughest matchup here because Andre Jackson, you can't you can't game plan for what he does and his impact on the game. Their depth is for real. They got 14 feet of post guys. Alex Caravan might be the best blend player in the country. Uh, this Connecticut team is really special. Yeah, Miami's got great guard play and Jordan Miller and Andre Jackson. If you want to match up, that will be a matchup to watch. That'll be one that you know in your world you'll probably kind of. You know, what, will Jordan Miller make his number? You know, how many how many re, uh, rebounds and assists will Andre Jackson have? But when he's flying around, that dude is good. But so is Jordan Miller, who went played a game yesterday. Now think about this: played against Texas. All right, Jordan Miller did not miss a shot. Seven for seven from the field, made all his free throws. He is a maybe one of the most underappreciated players in the country. But this this Connecticut team. Uh, they are really special. I would have worried more about them playing Texas because of the way Texas defends than worried about them playing Miami. So uh, let me give you my play in the UConn game. I, like I said, I'm on UConn. I'll lay the points. I also like Hawkins over 16 and a half points uh, because I, I, I do believe that they're going to be focusing in um, on, on the center. But nonetheless, you know, this is the only team remaining that ranks in the top 12 in both defense and offensive efficiency. Like I said, they've been bulldozing through people. They held Gonzaga to 33 points from the field, 10% from three. So their defense has been spot on. You you mentioned Miami, Seth, and you're right. I feel like each and every time, number one, I doubt Miami. I didn't have them beating Drake. I didn't have them beating Indiana. I certainly didn't have them beating Texas. But each and every game, there's a new guard or there's a new player that steps up. And it, it's not just one guy who's the star of the show, right? It's, it's a variety of guys. <clears throat> so with that being said, how can Miami beat UConn? What do they need to do, Seth? Well, it's their guard play. I mean, it starts with their guard play. When you have a guy like Isaiah Wong, ACC Player of the Year, when you have Nigel Pack, who has the ability in his play, knows where his shots are coming from, can really stretch defense. Wuga Poplar is elite defender. That matchup with Jordan Hawkins will be a really interesting one to watch. Uh, we'll get really strong Philly kid, tough, aggressive. Uh, they can own the tempo with the game because of their guards, and then they create a couple matchup problems. Jordan Miller and, and Andre, I talked about him, but don't discount Norchad O'Meara. The dude gobbles up rebounds like Pac-Man. He is absolutely relentless on the glass. 
Had 17 rebounds the other day. I think he had 12 yesterday. Kevin in foul trouble. And then Jim Laranega. I'm a huge Danny Hurley fan. I think he's not a good coach. He's a great coach. Those guys play for him. I watch him practice all the time. I go up there and they play like their habits. Uh, they, they are really committed to doing what they do and playing to the strengths. They're built, they're, they're Belichickian in that everyone does their job, but so is Miami. Miami, if they can set their defense. Miami, if they can, the game can be a little physical because they're active in gaps. Miami in their ball screen offense, they spin you around and they have guys that can either drive a closeout or make a shot. Think about this, Miami came back from down 13 yesterday and they, I think they only made two threes in the game. They had 50-plus points in the second half. They only made two threes in the game. That's a team that knows how to score. They also got to the line 30 times. So uh, I think that will be a way that Miami could potentially pull this upset off. But look, Connecticut gets to the offensive glass. They limit you to one shot. They run you off the three. They protect the front of the rim. Uh, they take you out, out of what you want to do. They beat you with their depth. They beat you with the three. They beat you at the rim. They beat you off the bounce, and then you got Andre Jackson, who's to me is like a, you know, he's like a wild card because you just can't game plan for how he plays. So with that being said, Omira's got the good hair, but UConn's going to win the big dance. Are we in agreement there? Yeah, Omira's got big time hair. I'm really jealous personally, uh, but uh, UConn I think is is a little bit, is just deeper and more talented. Uh, I would think that Wong and Miller and uh, Nigel Pack would absolutely have to go off for Miami to win. Seth, always great having you on Bet My Friend. Thank you, enjoy this week, it's gonna be fun to watch. Thank you you so much. You got it. Seth Greenberg uh, joining me on Bet, he's so good. He's so and, and and I have hair envy when it comes to Omir. His hair is just so freaking cool. Love watching that guy play. Uh, where it stands right now, FAU uh, going up against San Diego State. San Diego State favored by three. The over-under is 131 and a half. Uh, that tip-off is at um, 309 on Saturday. Um, and then um, and then Miami going up against UConn uh, at uh little after that, obviously, around 545. Uh, UConn favored by five and a half. They've been steamrolling people. Uh, and that over-under, uh, a much bigger number than San Diego State. San Diego State's defense is just so good. Uh, UConn, University of Miami, 149. That's the over-under there. When we get back, we kick off our number two. Fat Jack, professional handicapper, joins me from his yacht. That's right. He went out to watch the uh, Tampa Bay Rays play today and then uh, came back on his yacht uh, to join me on Bet LA next here on 710 ESPN LA.